Welcome to Kingsway's weekly podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Stained 
we've been taught this, haven't we, again and again, week after week, month after month, um, for a couple of, two or three years now, that we are righteous in, in his sight. And um, it's wonderful when you realise the message is going home, because some of the youngsters were um, elsewhere, one of his other church or a conference, and the teaching altogether was telling them, um, well, what are you going to do to make yourself righteous? You know, what are you going to do when it comes to uh, confessing your sins? And they just looked at the <laughs> in astonishment. This is Fred Patson said, but, but we are righteous. Jesus has died for us, and we are righteous. I thought, that's wonderful. You know, when kids get hold of it and, and uh, send it back. But it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children. So there's tremendous grace that cascades over us would bring him glory. This is amazing. The same love he has for his beloved one Jesus, he has for us. Now, when I read that, I don't think in terms of, well, it's that high and that high, the same high. It's, it's, love is like an ocean. The same love that he has for Jesus, he has for us. We're in, we're in that same ocean. So since we are now joined to Christ, we have been given the treasures of salvation by his blood. What are the treasures of salvation? The total cancellation of our sins. All because of the cascading riches of his grace. And then he goes on to talk about um, the plans. Um, Ephesians, oh here we are, the hidden mystery of his long-range plan which he was delighted to implement from the very beginning of time. Then if we jump over to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6, it says, He raised us up with Christ the exalted one, we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm, for we are now joined as one with Christ. Now, I don't find those thoughts come naturally. I've got, to, I'm not ashamed, I've got to read, read this again and again and again. Now, Smith Wigglesworth, that amazing Bradfordian, um, who, who performed miracle after miracle, or God did through him, said he couldn't go half an hour without reading a bit of Bible, or was it 10 minutes? It was something very, very short like that. So, and uh, I just go back to it again and again throughout the day, and I just feel, whoa, I just feel uplifted by it. So that's who we are, and we've got to learn and practice through meditation, through, you know, whatever is it for you. For me, it's, uh, it's, it's Bible. Um, last night, I was, I can't even remember the name of the programme. What was that programme you said I should watch about the Royal Family? The Yes. It's, um, I don't think it'd be very good, but it's absolutely riveting. And in last, last night, uh, I think it's the last one of the first series or something, and uh, Philip's in trouble. Now, to actually, I don't know if you know the history of Philip, but he, he was Greek, well, he was in a Greek family. Um, half, half the family was Greek, the other half was from Denmark. His sisters then went over to Germany and, um, and, and uh, married, married in Germany to uh, not-so-desirables since Hitler, Hitler was around. Anyway, um, then there was the Greek Revolution, and 
he escapes, and the story goes, they put him in an orange, a, a basket of oranges, and he was he was smuggled away um, to, to save his life. His father didn't want anything more to do with him after that. His father eventually died in um, Monte Carlo after gambling away all the money. You know, he was, he was a previous uh, duke. And his mother, she lost it really. She reappeared at the, at the coronation, I think uninvited, um, in a grey grey nun's, nun's outfit. So Prince Philip virtually was an orphan. So, you know, we make excuses. So when he got married to Princess, uh, when he got married to Princess Elizabeth, and uh, she became queen, and he became Duke of Edinburgh. Not king, not prince, Duke of Edinburgh. And he found this very frustrating, and he couldn't cope at all. And then in this episode, uh, and there were all sorts of stories around it, but we won't go into that. Anyway, the queen said, Philip, what is the problem? What do you think the problem is? Six foot three, I don't know what it was. Well, why? You've never stopped grumbling and moaning. You know, you're never, never satisfied. And she says, wonderful. The trouble is, you don't know who you are. Oh, and I woke up in the night thinking about that fitted excellently. You don't know, Billy, who you are. And in the end, not sure how much historical fact there is. I know that uh, uh, not not long afterwards there was the investiture of Philip, and he um, sat him down. He had the uh, the scepter in his hand, not the big one, you know. His put a crown on his head, and they declared him uh, Prince Philip um, of the United uh, United anyway, United Kingdom and Isles of Britain. Um, so he sat there with the crown on his head. And I'm just thinking of us, you know, we don't know who we are sometimes. We're a bit lost, you know. But just sit there and feel that crown. <laughs> that crown on your head. Yeah? We're kings. Not just princes. The Bible says we are kings. Mm. Now my feelings differ, but they're not worth anything. <laughs> Compared to this. Those feelings are sometimes up, sometimes down, depends how well I've slept or whether I've um, been successful at golf or, you know, stupid things like that or which football team won or lost or whatever. It varies. It's up and down and it's not reliable at all. So you come back to this and again and again. I just like swimming, swimming in Ephesians. So that's who we are. Now, and, uh, the price. Sarah, can we look at the price? What was the price? What's the price to make a pearl? I'm sure most of you know this, but to make a pearl, pearls come from oysters. Mother of pearl is the inside of the of the oyster. And I read that a tiny bit of salmon will get into the oyster and it irritates and irritates. I'm not sure how they how they measure they measure pain from an oyster. But that's what the science books say. So the oyster secretes this fluid more and more and more and more to cover the pain. And then in the end, an oyster is produced. So Irving, hey, sorry, a pearl is produced. Irving should be a millionaire because he was eating his dinner once. He was telling me, weren't he? And he opened it up and they were... They were quite small, but they were pearls. Muscle pearls. Muscle pearls. Oh, yeah. Second. 
price of that. And the price of that, I just want to read this from um, lots and lots of verses that say the same thing, but um, I like, um, I love these versions by the way. I wouldn't honestly say that I would state my life on them, but I do find them tremendously helpful. And I'll read this and then I'll go back to my Jewish Bible with lots of uh, little footnotes and so on. Uh, the authorised version. Sorry, I'm not decrying it, but I read this most of the time. This is tremendously helpful for, uh, for opening things up. And this is what it says in Peter's uh, letter. Uh, sorry, John's letter, not, not John's um, epistle. And in chapter 2, verse 2, it says, If anyone does sin, we continually have a forgiving redeemer who is face to face with the Father, Jesus Christ the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And when I read it in the, in the Jewish Bible, which is almost the same, but he's, what he wants to do, the translator, is to make it acceptable to the Jewish people. Because he says they'll open up the Bible and think, Oof, you know, that, that smells of Western, Western Christians, you know. Even, even the names have all changed, they've all been anglicised. So he puts all the names in, as, as Jewish people would say. And, and he says that Jesus, because this is the word they know, they still use it today, is the kapara, K-A-P-P-A-R-A-H, for our sins. And I look, look this up on Google, and it explains that the Jewish people still use that today in their feasts to talk about um, atonement. But that's, that's pretty basic, and you know that. Um, 1 Peter 1.19 talks in the same way. That Jesus died for us. Like, like we're singing. It's always great when you're speaking. Rebecca, when you come in, and, sorry, when the speaker comes in and you hear that the worship leader, not knowing what you've, uh, what you've chosen, is singing something that really fits in and think, oh, I'm on the right way then. <laughs> Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Um, he takes our place. Who rules the nations? Worthy is the lamb who was slain, that was it. Worthy is the king who conquered the grave. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy is the king who conquered the grave. A violent death for us. That uh, God the Father, Jesus knew, and the Holy Spirit knew beforehand. So the pain and the price of producing that oyster so that the blood of Jesus could be spilled. That was a wonderful demonstration. <laughs> and the little one just splashed. And what did we get there? Caution. Not caution. <laughs> Cleaning. I should say cleansing. Cleansing in progress. Hallelujah. So the price has been paid. So, the pearl is also, I think, because it's the kingdom of heaven, which involves a lot of things, is us collectively together. The church. The bride of Christ. And um, we've had teaching on this a lot, but there's a lovely verse, again, sticking to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 7. One of the things that the church is for, it says here, throughout the coming ages, we will be the visible 
display of the infinite, limitless riches of his grace and kindness, which were showered upon us in Jesus Christ. So we're an example. And then over the page in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 10, he did this so that every throne and rank of angelic orders in the heavenly realm would have unveiled before their eyes God's full and diverse wisdom revealed through his loving plan for the church. This perfectly wise plan was destined for eternal ages and fulfilled completely in our Lord Jesus. So that now we have boldness through him and free access as kings with the crowns on our heads before the Father because of our complete confidence in Christ's faithfulness. So we, it says in one of the versions I've read, down down in the footnote, it says, we are an example in the university for the angels. Yeah, they look down on us. <laughs> so uh, we've got to show them the wonderful diversity of it and a word that's using on the other version it's like a jewel with lots and lots of different faces facets, yeah, we're all different um, individually and from uh, church gathering to church gathering, we all have different emphases and so the light shines and reflects in different ways, but the whole thing is there to reveal God's glory to the angels responsibility <laughs> sorry I thought somebody was heckling <laughs> so the wonderful thing is um, God's done amazing things with this message and, and with the church and I think um, Paul said he was not ashamed of the, of the, uh, the gospel of Christ because it's the power of salvation and although we're encouraged um, to meet with other people and to meet with other faiths it's still important what Jesus says John 14 verse 6 I am the way the truth and the life so we're in sympathy with other, other people of other faiths God's got his hand on them God knows what he's doing God's leading them but we've still got as part of the church a pretty unique message for them. Um, by the way, just on, on that on that theme, a lot of us have been reading this book about the church in Salford. Um, they were meeting in Mount Chapel and there's prophecy after prophecy after prophecy. I remember these in the 70s and 80s. God was going to really touch Manchester. And they were already set to come down the hill into um, into the estate, the landworthy estate, and proclaim the gospel and tell them, you know, what God, as if it was entirely new. And it didn't work at first, and they prayed some more, but get it right. And God told them, God emphasised to them, listen, I've been at work down there, didn't say how long, but a long time, in the landworthy estate. They don't know me, they don't know much about salvation, they don't know much about Jesus, but I've been doing work there. So when you go down, don't go down on your, you know, a, a massive horse shouting at them. Mix with them and find out what God's been doing already in, in their hearts. I just remember a story, my favourite author years ago was watching a knee. He's dying now, he died in a, um, a Chinese 
one or two occasions, he would meet people, he would meet Buddhists, and he would give them the he would give them the message, and then they would say, actually, I think we already know this without the names of Jesus, without without dotting the I's and crossing the T's, somehow this fits in with God's been doing in our lives. So I think that's that's the attitude we should, we should have, not pompous, but with a real, uh, a, a, a unique message. Now, if we are the pearl with great price, um, when Paul writes his letters to um, Ephesians and Colossians and so on. In, in the first couple of verses, first couple of chapters, two or three chapters, he, he usually gives this wonderful panoramic uh, viewpoint of what the heavens are like and that we can access them and how glorious all this. Yeah. So you're getting all buoyed up by it, and then chapter three or four, as usually starts with the word therefore. You know, let's let's bring it down to us. We met this uh, the guy that I won't tell his name, but a guy we used to know many, many years ago. Um, he was an ex-prisoner and so on. And I remember him reading these first chapters of Ephesians and saying, "Wow, it's fabulous! You know what God's doing? There. You know, God's really, God's really showing me something." And then we had to say, "Have you read chapter five? Have you sorry, have you read chapter four? Why? Well, it says if you've been burgling, does it not?" <laughs> Uh, you've got to stop that, you know. You've got to change your lifestyle. But unless it flows into practice, it's, um, it's well, uh, John and John Epistle says it's, it's, it's just not working. So, as a church, the therefores to me, there's a, there's a few therefores, not going to them all. But one of my favourite chapters is Psalm. 133. Now Andy, a couple of weeks ago was talking about the anointing, wasn't he? Well, listen to this one. How truly wonderful, delightful and beautiful to see brothers and sisters living together in sweet unity. It's as precious as the anointing oil flowing from the head of the high priest Aaron, dripping down upon his beard, down on the collar of his priestly robes. Then he goes on to say, From this realm of sweet harmony, God will release his eternal blessings, the promise of life forevermore. So one of the big therefores is harmony with one another. Maybe we, we agree with everything each of us uh, says or thinks, but there's, um, there's a unity here, as long as we know it conforms with, with what's here. But we love one another, we access one another's wisdom, so that unity is vital. Now here's a word that we've not heard for a while, and I'm afraid it became, when I was... Well, about 20 years ago, I was brought up with this word, but it didn't mean what it means now. And the word was holiness. And the way I was brought up was, well, if you're a Christian now, know in a whole list of things that you weren't, that you weren't supposed to do. And these some of them were, were quite helpful. But um, didn't really, it didn't really help me at all. It was, it was a bit legalistic, okay? So, for instance, and this is nothing wrong with this, very good, but every Friday night we had to make a vow. I promise 
to pray to him and read the Bible every day. And he promises. And up to, I'm saying this is true, up to about the age of 70, six years ago, I used to have this recurring dream and I'd wake up, I'm not pain, I'm not pain. And I always had. Um, but it was there, it was, it was in the psych, you know, you shall. Now, it, it, it was good advice, but it came over so legalistically. And holiness to us, well, to me, the way I picked it up, was a list of things that you do not do. And I think that's coming at it from totally, totally the wrong angle. Um, where's the Oh, there he is. Sorry, Rob. Just to use you an example, because you're the latest in the marriage state, aren't you, you two? Yeah. No? <laughs> if, if I went to Rob just after, just after they got married and said, Right, Rob, come here. Here's a list of things um, you don't do. You know, when you're married, no, you don't go off there. You don't go off there. It's, it, it would be redundant, that. It, it, it was not worth saying. Because he's in love. Right? Yes, nothing. <laughs> So, and anyway, she'd kill you anyway, she did. So. <laughs> but it just wasn't, wouldn't be necessary, because your motive is one of love. And I'm learning that holiness, the motive, is love. Not a list of do's and don'ts. So when I read this in Ephesians, I don't have to say, look, don't do that, don't do that. You know, avoid certain things that are on very, very late on obscure channels in the television, I believe. Um, Chapter 4, verse 3. Oh, hey, oh, that was the, the harmony one. Be faithful to God, the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you, in the bonds of peace, so that you will be one body and one spirit, as you were called, into the same glorious hope of um, divine destiny. So, what goes with holiness? Believe it or not, joy. And now I'm not going to call upon my young daughter to come out here. Jacqueline. She doesn't know I'm doing this, but she came round today and she was just, she was just radiant. Okay. Thank you. Can I hold the hot chocolate? Yes, that's Can I just ask you something? Why have you got two microphones? She's been doing all of this with your hands, like, didn't she? So you decided you would, you would uh, yeah. have a lazy day and read. Oh, I did. I had a lovely morning. Read the, uh, read um, I did. So plays football on a Sunday morning, so Vicky gets up and he goes off with Tully. Um, which kind of leaves me the responsibility to have to walk the dog. But because it's Sunday, I don't have to walk in particularly early. So I thought this morning I'm just going to have a nice time. So I've just sat in my bed and I've got the latest uh, number one ladies detective agency. So I thought I'm going to have a little read of that because I've been reading some quite heavy stuff over the week and I was like, oh, I forget that, my brain's all over the place. So it's amazing. 
So um, I got it, and my lovely husband, every morning since we've been married, has brought me a pot of fresh coffee. This, even if it's not going to work, he wakes up and he makes this pot of coffee and he leaves it next to me. So I plunged it and I poured it and I got my book. And I remembered that Daisy had bought me some rose and violet creams from Hotel Chocolat and they were inside my bedside table. So I sat in my bed eating chocolate, drinking coffee, reading a really nice book. It was a great morning. Um, she came and caught me as well. She's like, hark at you. Agency. And at the beginning of the 
do with this one, and it's not going to be any spoilers because I have only read the first chapter, so I can't really spoil it. But one of the characters uh, reads something out of the magazine and turns to her boss and says, What is your purpose in life? And the boss goes, How rude! <laughs> I know my purpose, I'm a wife, I'm a mother. And I run this business, you know, what do you mean, what's my purpose in life? She goes, no, 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 just reading out an article. Um, the title is, what is your purpose in life? So she goes, oh, sorry, my mistake. And they delve into it and they explore it, what's your purpose in life? That's it, that's all I've read. Um, no, no, because of wisdom there, that's just all right. Some weird reason, I thought, I'm going to read The Great Dance, which I tried to read, and I couldn't read it, I couldn't get into it, it was nonsense to me. I was just, I know loads of you think it's really good, and you've all gone, it's dead good, and I've read it and gone, <laughs> so I thought this time I'll skip the forward, maybe the forward through me, I'll just tackle chapter one. So I got into chapter one, and then, um, it was dead easy to read, like it made sense to me. <laughs> this time, it made sense to me, well what was funny is, I'm reading one book and think, go read this other book, I wonder where it is, it's in Tully's room. I was in the room, Tully, sorry. Forage <laughs> book. The Great Dance. No, I know it was in your room. I knew it was in your room for some reason. So I started reading it, and the first chapter is just ace. Have you ever read it? Is that good? It goes, um, blah, 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 lots of stuff, which is really good. And then it says, um, but what is our purpose? I was like, well, that's interesting, because uh, Mama Kitsi and Mama Watsi trying to find their purpose as well, and now this looks like, what's your purpose? And I just said straightforwardly that the purpose is to glorify God and have a life of joy, live a good life, have a happy life. I was like, oh, that's such a quite easy. <laughs> that's like no mystery to me anymore. My purpose is to glorify God. By enjoying forever. Thank <laughs> you. 
Thank you. 
be a microphone there. We'll start off with worship, you know, we'll start off praising and worshipping. Because out of that, I, 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 from my experience, comes the Holy Spirit moving. That's where it's singing and expressing. So we're going to have a microphone there, and I'm going to invite that. That'll be fine, because we do this a lot already, actually. So it's just, um, in a fortnight's time, we're going to do it in a big way. So I want you to, before you come, just wait, wait on God. Or it might just something might come in the service. And in the middle of the, the worship, you might say, actually, I've got a psalm that really fits that. Oh, it's just on the heart. Or a reading from somewhere in the Bible. You just want to give it out. And your giving out blesses everybody. Any idea? So we're going to do that. We'll remind you, uh, we'll remind you next week. When you meet together, it says in 1 Corinthians somewhere. 12, 13, no, not 13, 14. Um, when you meet together, each one has, or in the modern version, has. Okay, ready for that? Okay, so the pearl of great price. I've just given you a little dip in your toes. No one's had any toes come off. <laughs> Into the Waters of Ephesians, one of my favourite books. Right. Read it yourself this week. I just saw oh, just for a minute. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. So don't stand up. Stand up and we'll just pray together. So thank you, Father, that we are the pearl of great price. Because you are the pearl of great price. You put a crown on our head. You've told us that we're that you're accessible, that you've done it all, that we're free. You've told us, Father God, that you've miracles, walk in healthy relationships, and discover Christ in you, then why don't you head over to www.idestiny.org.uk. iDestiny is Kingsway's five-month full-time ministry and discipleship school, starting both in March and September every year. For more information on Kingsway Church, please visit www.kwcm.org. And for more information about iDestiny, please visit www.idestiny.org.uk. Have a great day.